Some of the biggest names in Hollywood are part of Scientology. Tom Cruise, Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, John Travolta, and several others. What is the appeal of this belief system, and how did it all begin? Well, we pull back the curtain in this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we make the case for why Christianity still makes sense in a world of doubt with a near apostate and now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, we are continuing our series on beliefism, where we look at different belief systems and worldviews. If you have a suggestion for us of a belief system or worldview that you want us to cover, please let us know in the comments. Let's, let's go ahead and dive into this first episode. We're going to do two parts on this. In this first one, we're going to look at the background, Scientology's rise to fame, and, and how it kind of is now coming apart in its cult-like activity. So, Bobby, kick us off here and telling us a little bit about how Scientology started. What's the backstory? Where did this whole thing begin? Sure. Uh, the notable figure to be aware of is L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, Hubbard lived in the 20th century. In fact, he was born in 1911, died in 1986 after he decided it was time to drop his body and head off to another experience in this universe. So we'll learn a little bit more about what all that entails. But Hubbard is somebody who was a big science fiction writer, and he was well known for his charisma, uh, bigger than life kind of personality. And he wrote a book in 1950 at the age of about 39 called Dianetics, uh, the modern science of mental health. And so this book uh, really began to take some traction. And what took place a few years later is in 1953 in Camden, New Jersey, Scientology was founded and incorporated as an organization. And then the following year in 1954, the first church opened up in Southern California, uh, right there in Los Angeles, uh, the Church of Scientology. And its roots has really been there in L.A. and has went throughout the world in many aspects. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, in his book, Dianetics, he talks about his primary influences being Eastern philosophy uh, and Freud's work, coupled with some of his own uh you know, life experiences that he went through. And when you read Dianetics, that's kind of what's uh, taken place there. It's him developing these thoughts that have been influenced from Freudian uh, psychology and also from Eastern philosophy. I remember seeing the Church of Scientology in LA uh, on different occasions, and it's very much of a new age looking building. I mean, those are the kind of vibes they let off. And you could see people like set up in booths and they'll, they're there trying to graft you in. They want you to kind of fill out some paperwork. They're there wanting to pass out brochures and pamphlets. And it's their goal to help you be clear. Uh, what they're all about is clearing the world. And we'll even get into more of that as things go along in our program together, Tim, of what do we mean by being clear? Right, right. So, you know, Ron Hubbard, was he like 
a scientist? Did he have like a PhD in anything? Did he have any expertise in the the areas that he was speaking into in these books that you know of? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if he had a PhD. I mean, he is known for uh, a lots of his uh, sensational stories, things that he talked about uh, that were fabricated and then shown to be a lie. So he seems to be one guy that even if he said he had, you know, some sort of training, it's hard to trust him because he was a person driven by his imagination. I mean, when you think about Scientology, it just taps into the imagination in crazy ways. I mean, L. Ron Hubbard uh, was known to be an amazing storyteller and people would sit at his feet and he'd share stories like, hey, you know, in one of my past lives, I was driving 375 miles an hour. And the reason we experience car sickness when we drive on the road, it's connected to a past life where maybe we were speeding or something like that. And so, yes, uh, he's a guy that was, you know, very bright, no doubt. I mean, we're not questioning his brilliance. I mean, he was uh, very smart, uh, a gifted writer, a charismatic person. Uh, but as far as him actually obtaining his PhD, that's a good question, Tim. Yeah. I'd have to so- check in that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you attribute to the rise of this Church of Scientology's growth. Is it, you know, just help, uh, Hubbard's, you know, charismatic personality, his wit, his, his you know, uh, thinking on his feet, his stories? Or is there something else that you would attribute some of this growth to? And then maybe talk to us about it's coming apart. Like, it, it seems to be disintegrating right before some of our eyes. So talk to us about this growth, first of all. So as it relates to the growth, I would probably want to share four factors that have really helped uh, this movement become the movement that it did. And yes, we'll talk in a moment how Scientology has hit a massive iceberg and is sinking uh, before our very eyes. But what allowed this Titanic of a movement to, uh, you know, be able to embark on a journey uh, that was so familiar in the last half of the century. And as a kid growing up in California, I mean, you were all aware of the, you know, the great church of Scientology down the street. And yet what we also thought, and it's kind of weird, (laughs) you know, it's like we we sensed that this was kind of weird, at least in South Orange County, uh, you know, where I was at. Uh, But I would say, one of the the factors that has contributed to its growth is the appeal. I mean, they appeal to people by promising them a better life, uh, by promising them to have a sense of self-awareness, a control over their emotions, and an ability to have better self-control and discipline in your everyday life. So when you think about it, uh, And you can imagine right there on the streets of L.A., and this is starting to grow. I mean, you've got all kinds of people that are just, uh, you know, walking the streets. There's lots of emptiness that's going on. And you're walking up to people going, hey, how would you like to have control of your emotions? How would you like to have an awareness of where you came from, why you're here, and where you're going when you die? How would you like to be free from the drugs and the alcohol? I mean, see, Scientologists, uh, they're not into being, 
you know, addicts and stuff. And though a lot of stars have been drawn to it, I mean, they're going to be anti-drunkenness and anti-promiscuity. Why? Because that's a lack of self-control. And so you need to have control over your emotions. You need to have control over your thoughts uh, so that you can get ultimately freed up from this cycle of reincarnation that you're in. So they promise people a better life, Tim. Uh, But something else, as Scientology began to grow, it grew with a rigorous business model. And this business model through, uh, you know, expansion and spreading, uh, what started to take place is it became very wealthy. So the Church of Scientology is financially loaded. And as a result, uh, you know, they were able to do a lot of things and money can help a movement expand, right? I mean, when you've got cash, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, his goal was to make money, right? Um, One occasion, uh, he said, make money, make more money, make others produce so as to make money. So money was a big factor in helping them grow. A uh, third factor is Hubbard's nonfiction books. Uh, you know, he was putting out these books, uh, tapping into the fertile imagination of people's mind. Uh, he was somebody that that loved uh, kind of this world of fantasy, right? Uh, which in a lot of ways to him was reality, yet paired with technology. And so he did a lot of science fiction works And uh, this really uh, was popular reading for people. And those that really loved Hubbard is an author and devoured his books. Uh, Well, guess what? Those books could serve as an entry point into the Church of Scientology. And then another factor, which I would say is the final factor, though there are others, just limiting it to four, would be the Hollywood celebrities uh, who have belonged to it. In fact, uh, you mentioned John Travolta, um, but we know like Kirstie Alley, uh, Catherine Bell, uh, most notably Tom Cruise, who's all but considered, uh, you know, the second highest up in uh, Scientology. Uh, you know, he's he's up there right at the top. But L. Ron Hubbard, he recognized the influence of celebrities and their voices yeah. to bring people in. And so what started to happen when you started seeing people like Cruz and Travolta come, well, hey, people want to follow these heroes of theirs. So he set up what was known as the Celebrity Project. And the Celebrity Project then provided incentives and rewards for those who would bring celebrities in so that they could learn about Scientology. And so interestingly enough, uh, that is you know, obviously a major indicator of what helped them grow. Now, according to their website, uh, I checked this out uh, yesterday. Uh, It says this as it relates to their growth. Since the forming of the first church of Scientology in 1954, the religion has grown to span the globe. Today, more than 10,000 Scientology Churches, missions, related organizations, and affiliated groups minister to millions in 165 countries. And those numbers are constantly growing. In fact, Scientology's presence in the world is growing faster now than at any time in its history. Now, Tim, that is a flat out 
lie. That is not the case, that they're growing faster than in any other time in human history. Right. In fact, what we know right now is it is shrinking that people who were a part of the upper echelons, uh, the higher ups, those up top, um, some would even claim far from having 10,000 churches of Scientology, there's some that'll claim they've only got about 20,000 to 40,000 members mm. worldwide. Yeah. Uh, now, I can't prove that. I, I don't I don't know for sure. But I do know that they're still financially loaded, but they're losing their people. And they're, they're, they're suffering a blow big time because of an image problem. Uh, there's been scandals as it relates to pedophilia, brainwashing, lies, um, being a part of slave labor, human trafficking, uh, even abuse in uh, their prison systems. I mean, like literally internal prison system to uh, where people go to be rehabilitated, so to speak, for bad behavior. Uh, but several stars have left and some have left long ago, like Lisa Marie uh, Presley or Seinfeld, uh you know, Katie Holmes and Nicole Kidman, who obviously experienced the controls and, and being married to Tom Cruise. And he had spies looking out at them and all kinds of stuff goes into that story as you dig into it. But as of late in the last 10 years, in 2012, uh, Leah uh, Remini, uh, she who was recruited in Scientology at the age of nine left in 2013. But with a massive docu-series entitled Leah Remini, uh, Scientology in the aftermath, many people have been exposed to the lies. HBO in 2015, Tim, they came out with a documentary called Going Clear, Scientology in the Prison of Belief. And even more recently, uh, number one, new, uh, number one top seller right now is Mike Rinder. He was a high up person in Scientology who became an apostate. And this top selling book entitled A Billion Years, my escape from a life in the highest ranks of Scientology. So people who are way up in Scientology are now exposing the lies, uh, some of the mass sins that have taken place, the control and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll make a couple, you know, quick comments. But uh, again, that was that was brilliant. I want to make a comment on their business model. They have, uh, from what I understand, the kind of a personality test that they want you to take. But then after you kind of agree with, like, yeah, oh man, those those things are, are wrong in my life, and they kind of use that to get you in and to start being curious. Then you have to pay like an initial membership fee in order for them to evaluate you and then to kind of give you the solution. But then there seems like there's other, you know, just continuing monetary donations that you have to give. So much so that there's reports of like a $200,000 threshold in order to be able to know certain things. So they they build this mystery, but then in order to unlock the mysteries, you have to continue to give financially, which then again gives them that money and gives them that ability to uh, you know, to market it and do what, whatnot. But then also there's a piece of that. Like if you're spending $200,000, it's harder to give up, right? You're more bought in literally. You're more invested. In. Yeah. You're definitely more <laughs> invested in this and you don't want to be like, oh yeah, well I wasted $200,000 on something that's totally crazy. So that, that reiterates this mindset of like, man, I have to, you know, keep going with this and, and, and keep, you know, believing it and keep getting other members in, uh, you know, in a sense, it's, it's really like a, a Ponzi scheme in that sense. I mean, again, I'm, that, that's mm. pretty strong language, but there's really, you know, nothing to it. Um, 
Before we get to some ways that Scientology resembles a cult, I'd like to remind our audience that this is a listener-supported show. So if you're enjoying this episode and you want to see it continue, please join our support team at oneminuteapologist.com slash form. You can also catch this episode and other all of the 100 other episodes on our YouTube channel. While you're there, please like this video and share it with your network, or you can listen to it as an audio-only podcast on your favorite podcast player. So Bobby, let's jump into uh, Scientology and, and how it's considered a cult. We're, we're going to talk more specifically about some of the beliefs that they have uh, on next week's episode, so I would encourage everybody to check out next week's episode as well. But let's talk a little bit about just the, the cult-likeness or the cultness of Scientology. Would love to. And help me with time, Tim, because I forgot to set my timer. And as we're doing this, uh, feel free to give a big hard laugh at me if you're driving in your car, or if you're listening on your phone. Uh, but I have no sense of how much time I have to develop your question. <laughs> yeah, we have about we have about seven to eight minutes left for about 17 minutes right now. So we're, we're good. That sounds great. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, well, first off, let's remember what a cult is, in particular, a Christian cult. A Christian cult is a group of people that deny one or more of the major Christian doctrines. So that's a Christian cult. But you can be a cult that is a non-Christian cult. And so from that standpoint, Scientology would certainly fit as a cult that is a non-Christian cult. And what I mean by that, when you take groups like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, or the United Pentecostal Church. They're trying to do what? Well, they're leveraging the Bible. Uh, they're talking about Jesus Christ, right? Well, a non-Christian cult um, is not interested in using the Bible to prove uh, their belief system. Uh, they're just a cult in that they're cult-like. And so you can see some ways that the Church of Scientology is cult-like in their total allegiance to their founder, L. Ron Hubbard. Um, in his book, by the way, like Dianetics and his other books, those are uh, the Bible, so to speak. His works are the Bible for the Church of Scientology. And it is his works that you read. And you were to avoid anything that would challenge what L. Ron Hubbard says. In fact, Jeff McMaster stated this, L. Ron Hubbard's doctrine is so fixed, in fact, that the Church of Scientology began transcribing his texts onto stainless steel plates in the 1980s, placing them in titanium capsules in underground vaults located in a remote desert location. The vaults are accessible only through a secured tunnel. I mean, you talk about revering the works of L. Ron Hubbard. Well, there you go, right there. So uh, that's one way you would see it. Sorry, I, uh, I, I, I got a smile on my face because I was just imagining in a thousand years somebody stumbling across this set of tunnels and then finding these titanium plates and what they would think of that. So uh, again, continue, <laughs> please. I just had this mental picture in my head of that. So yes, sorry. Yes. Well, no, Tim, and I know that you have dug tunnels to hide some of my copies of books that I've written that have meant a lot to you, right? Right, but we don't talk about that. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, we'll we'll keep that on the download, right, bro. Right. Um, so yeah, for sure, uh, it's his his writings, his books. You know, is is what people are all about. Uh, there's brainwashing is another aspect, uh, and this is done through a process known as disconnection, and disconnection is where you tune out anything or anyone from your life that challenges uh, you as a Scientologist. So there are stories, Tim, of families that have been utterly broken apart or uh, people who haven't seen their parents in years uh, because the parents were against the fact that their child was a Scientologist. Uh, So any such language of calling Scientology toxic uh, could could cause you to get canceled. So Scientology is a bit of a cancel culture. Like, you know what? If you don't buy into this, you're eliminated. Control is another aspect. And uh, parents, kids, they're indoctrinated through private schooling, uh, high fees that you're paying to send your kids into this indoctrination program. In fact, kids memorize quotes written by Hubbard, and they, at the end of class, they stand up, they face a picture of L. Ron Hubbard, and they give three cheers, stating L. Ron Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard. And so that can sound a bit communistic. In fact, it has been said that Hubbard set these schools up because he was influenced on a trip to China and seeing the way that schools were run in China. So after observing these schools, he set out to model his schooling to train people similarly. And then they have an organization known as the C organization. You talk about control. These are highest ranking uh, members. C like the ocean, S-E-A, the C organization. These members, once you get up high, commit to literally one billion years of their life to Scientology. Well, that obviously implies some reincarnation experiences, right? And when you break codes with them, when you're a part of the C organization, you have to go to rehabilitation camp. You're put in the hole where you're disciplined for bad behavior. Hmm. And people who are a part of the C organization, they can't even have their own children. And some have been forced, it's been said, to have an abortion. So this is astonishing. And the final point that I would raise is it's very difficult to leave uh, when you're in, especially if you're high up. Uh, And so I think that we should be very cautious of Scientology. Oh yeah, and again, I mean, just these are just—we're kind of just brushing the surface. These are just some kind of examples, but I think it helps people understand kind of what's going on behind the curtain here, because a lot of this isn't necessarily in the past; it hasn't been published. So you mentioned a few docu series and a few books that have come out. Um, we we watched that Leah series, uh, my wife and I, to kind of understand what was going on, and it's it's really interesting. Any final closing comments? Again, next week on next week's episode, we're going to go into more of some of the beliefs. What 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 their, I guess, you know, theology or worldview is, but this is kind of an opening um, four-way into some of this. So any closing comments here? Yeah, that's just a what our, uh, our listeners' palate. What they would leverage against them in these surveys that they filled out is they would ask real deep questions about, like, sexual experiences they had in the past. And so if anybody ever wanted to leave, they could use those experiences 
against them, to control them, to keep them in. And so there's more to discuss. I hope people will tune in next week. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, the, we have uh, talked a lot about these different belief systems. We have episodes on postmodernism. We have episodes on the occultism. We have episodes on kind of functional atheism. That if you want to check those out, you can find them on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash one minute apologist. There is an entire playlist of unapologetic episodes that you can spend hours and hours and hours on. If you are taking a trip, there's a hundred episodes. Each one's about 25 minutes. It, that would That would cover your whole entire trip. So we would encourage you to check out that while you're at our YouTube channel, feel free to subscribe to that. And if you want to check them out on our audio only podcast, you can find that on your favorite podcast player or on our website, one minute click on podcast and find it there. With that, we will continue this series on Scientology, Scientology next week as we look at what they believe and some of their theology and worldview, if you will. We'll meet you next time on the Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.